Okay. So, slowly but surely, we're going through First Timothy, and we find ourselves in chapter 5. Last week, we couldn't go that far. <laughs> that we are, I mean, as we had wanted, but it was all good. It was a lively discussion just on verse 1 of chapter 5. But today, I think I'll promise you, we'll move faster than we did last week. So, just for those who are joining us, um, we've been looking at First Timothy, very uh, important book. It's one of the pastoral epistles. So, for the pastoral epistles, we have First and Second Timothy, and then we have Titus. And Timothy, uh, we are told, was a young man. Now, when we use a young man, it's relative because uh, in Jewish culture, a young man probably could be between the ages of 20 and 40. In fact, some people even say that if you're under 50, you are still a young man. So it's relative. We don't know what exactly <laughs> his age was, but relatively speaking, because of the way Paul addresses him, we can presume that he was a young man. And when you're a young man, it doesn't mean that uh, you are not matured when it comes to the things of God. You can have a young man who is 25, but in the things of God, he can be more matured than a man who is 60 or 70. It happens. But whatever it is, an older man has experience. He has, I mean, so much to teach. I mean, the younger person. So in verse number one, Paul draws his atten our attention as a local church to how we treat the older man. And we came across the word rebuke. I thought initially rebuke was just um, uh, an ordinary word, but it's the way it's used there has this idea of don't criticize harshly. Don't criticize harshly. And so if you tie it into the whole verse, verses 1 and 2, it says, encourage the brethren. And this is very important because um, it's not just there, but before we uh, read from verses 3 to 16, would somebody kindly turn to Galatians 6-2 and then somewhere else to Proverbs 16-31. And this is going to be our golden text for today. We should have read the first one last week, but we'll read it today. It doesn't matter. Galatians 6-2, Proverbs 16-31. And that would set us on our way for our discussion this morning. So, Anybody finds any of them, you can read it for our edification. Galatians 6 2. Yes. Oh, you, you can even quote it. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, this is where we are coming from. The New Testament church, okay, is supposed to. Uh, let me use it this way. We need to be each other's keeper. Okay? In the local church, you can't be an island. We bear each other's burdens. And that's why we take prayer requests. And if you are an active member, you should be aware of what is happening in the individual lives of members. At least, to some extent, you may not know everything so that you can always be praying for each other. And... Thankfully, these days, because of technology, when you are in trouble, it's just a matter of texting 
your brother, your sister, can you pray with me? You know, connect. I know there are some people who want to erect barriers. They just don't flow with people. That's fine. But what I know, just by experience, there's going to be a time when you are going to be in trouble. That is our Christian experience. Sometimes you are confused. You just need to talk to somebody. Just text. And sometimes just even doing random texts, you'll be amazed how, how a blessing you can be to somebody. Because at that particular moment in time, that brother or sister might be needing encouragement. So we are encouraged to bear each other up. Apart from that, Paul, uh, Paul is speaking to a system where the local church needs to be better organized when it comes to, you know, groups and individuals. So specifically for this chapter, he talks about uh, older men and then widows. And we'll delve into why widows and not widowers. Okay? But widows, and we'll see the categories of widows that he uh, talks about. So that's Galatians 6 2. Will somebody else read this? Proverbs 16 31. Proverbs 16 31. Mm -hmm. Great hair is a crown of glory, mm -hmm. it is gained in a righteous life. Amen. Gray hair is what? A crown, a crown of, of glory. I don't know how many of you have got gray hair here, but gray hair is a crown of glory and it's gained through what? The, the second part. Being righteous. Being righteous. Being righteous. So we're talking about Christians here. It doesn't mean every gray hair. <laughs> we are talking about Christian gray hair. Christian gray hair. Because for some people, unfortunately, you know, we always assume that as a person grows older, they become wiser. But it doesn't work all the time. For King Solomon, he was wiser in his younger years. But as he grew older, he became, <laughs> you know, so, this is very important because ideally, you know, as we grow in grace, the gray hair becomes a sign of maturity. And, you know, that period of life, what we call retirement, becomes a period of it provides opportunity for mentoring young people. So, you can't say that uh, I'm old, I've retired, I have nothing to do for Christ or the church. You see, so we need to utilize all the opportunities that the church affords us. And they don't say there's nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing you can do. There's always something that you can do. All right. So um, remember last week, we also set the parameters for our studies that we said that, you know, through Christ's redemptive work, God is trying to recreate, okay, a new generation, the church, who would, you know, fulfill the purpose for which he made man. And so if you are a safe Christian, you are supposed to do better than the world. And we also said that, you know, the world treats old people in a very dismissive way. It's like these days, if you are old, then you are just dismissed. When people are hiring, they hire young men and women. And then older people are just, no, no. The world, I mean, that's the world. The Christian, the church of Christ, it ought to be the other way around. And everybody has a role to play.
So let me ask you, just before we read, there are some churches who, have, who use business techniques. They say we are focusing on a particular gender, particular group. When I say gender, please, I'm not talking about. <laughs> we are, I mean, a particular group of people. We are targeting people in their 50s to, to form the core of the local church. Based on our readings and discussions, what do you make of that kind of church plan? People who say, no, I'm focusing on this group of people. You need to focus on the whole, the whole of the church. Mm -hmm. It bugs me. I see on some place, looking for a local church, mm -hmm. child's ministry mm -hmm. important. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it is important to the child's ministry along with everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure the word preached properly, mm -hmm. you know, first and foremost, before you start looking into it. What groups are, are ministered to? Anymore? What do you think? Right? The church is supposed to be all inclusive. You have older people, younger people, married people, single people, children, everybody. And ideally, opportunities should be provided so that we all hear the gospel. All right? So to try to target a particular group, that is not how to do church. All right. So having said that, uh, uh, I think chapter one, Paul speaks about the gospel. In fact, he uses the term, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, defend it, preach it, support it with every effort that you have. Chapter two, he talks about the conduct of men and women in public worship. And he, uh, uh, chapter 3, he discusses the qualifications of elders and uh, deacons. Uh, we spoke about that. And then in chapter 3, he also talks about uh, the local church. It's a pillar of truth, the household of God, and then it is the church of God. So chapter 4, he warns about uh, apostasy. Says some will depart from the faith okay, and give themselves over to doctrines of demons. So these are not things we should look forward to into the future. It is happening as we speak. It started right from, in fact, if you go to as far back as the Old Testament, false doctrine, even in the Garden of Eden, it was there. Oh, yes. If you see the devil's reasoning, okay, did God really say that? Okay, man-centered worship. So, uh, Paul discusses all of that, and then in chapter 5, if you know Paul's letters, he now zeroes in on practical things. So he, now he talks about the groups in the church. So, Chris, if you would please read with uh, chapter, chapter 5, verses 3 to 16 for us. Verses 3. Mm -hmm. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She, who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God, and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she, who is self-indulgent, is dead, even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. 
and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Amen. What is it that surprised you about these verses? Did you pick anything up that surprised you? Are you shocked at finding something in there? I don't think it's surprising. I just think that it's mean. I think that we've lost it. Just that families need to care for each other first. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, that he's specifically yes. emphasizing that. And yes. I think too often we just, you know, don't, we don't yeah. honor our parents in that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In fact, um, culturally speaking, I notice that when people are old, we put them in. Uh, nursing home you know uh when if we have time we'll discuss that i have a question here i want us to discuss but real quickly um if you read the text the, the instructions look mundane right but uh we pick out five different groups of widows five different groups okay let's look at verse three and he used the term honor widows who are truly widows okay the honor there is not like giving a medal or bring calling them upon a podium and no the honor there has this idea of setting something aside so we're talking about monetary compensation benevolence okay so widows who are truly widows here he means those who have set a godly example and he gives uh, the description there for for such ones he says the church must take care of them the church must take it must, they must be the church's burden okay the other ones you will see that he says no the church does not have responsibility for such ones okay right so that's the first group those who are truly widows and then look at verse 4 what is the second group the widow who has a family. Now, what does he prescribe for that group? Verse, verse 4. The, the, the family care for them. Actually, yeah. That's yes. what I did yesterday. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Um, so, we literally moved Dan mm -hmm. in with Mark's parents okay. yesterday. Okay. So, that you kind of care for them while yeah. going to school. And so, you know, it's kind of like. Yeah. The widow who has children and grandchildren. The church does not have responsibility for, for, for them. Okay? That responsibility should be taken over by the children and grandchildren. So, if you are a young person and you have grandparents, you have parents, you have a responsibility towards them. I know that um, 
the culture kind of is very dismissive of some of these things. But if your parents have taken the trouble to invest in you, someday when they are retired, their income has gone down, possibly, you have a responsibility to take care of them. All right? Any concerns? Not a concern. It's, it's interesting. It's, those children to, are to honor yeah. their, their parent, mm -hmm. which that's mm -hmm. one of the big ten, and to honor them, but then it's added in there. And that honoring, once again, the same kind of honor mm -hmm. to God. Yeah. And I think of Ephesians where there's that, you know, mm -hmm. the man is accountable to God. Mm -hmm. And it, it continues down, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. So, you know, it's all a matter of planning. Don't only think about yourself and your family. But think about your parents and grandparents as you work. And maybe when there's time, we would even talk about insurance, life insurance, for instance. You know, I think in this country, funerals are a big thing. 10,000. 8,000, whatever. So if you know somebody is nearing that, you know, probably it might be prudent to think along those lines. And that's, it's a matter of just consistently setting us a little aside, you know. All right? I saw a, Emmanuel. Yeah, before we move to verse 3 of the we have one and two. I'm, I'm you want to go back to verse one and two? Yes. Okay. Like look at you like a view. Is that a believer or a believer? We are talking about the church, so obviously believers. Okay. Yes. Yes. So do you see that it was like a problem? That was stop or not? We we I think last week we said that these are general principles that we are learning. So Depending on what happens, it may not, we, he uses the word rebuke, but if we don't know, we can't put a hand or finger on specific, specific events. But assuming somebody is wrong, that somebody has committed a sin, somebody has had a problem, I mean, let's say in speech, okay, the elders or even another Christian has a responsibility to correct the person. So we are talking about correction here. All right, and it's a general principle. Paul doesn't mention specific things, no. So we are talking about the principle of correcting people. All right, okay. Let's move on. We can talk after we we we, we are done. So verse four, the second group of widows, those who have a family, uh, it's their children and grandchildren. It's not just children, but the grandchildren also can, <laughs> can help, all right? Good. And uh, one uh, person I was listening to was saying that sometimes for the older people, they just need somebody to be driving them around. I'm going to Walmart. Just join me, you know? So consider that if maybe you are a spouse and your husband's parents are, you know, especially the mothers, Take them in, drive them around, you know, so that they can be active and things like that. All right, take them in. So look at verse number six. Uh, there's a third group, 
And which is that group? Anybody can tell? Verse number six, which third group of widows? How would you describe them? Unbelievers. Sounds like she's self indulgent. <laughs> Yes. And, and it goes back to the quote that I talked about. <laughs> Daddy, you all exactly. <laughs> now look at the terms. Emmanuel. Okay, can you please tell us like the history? What was going on in the It's 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 it will be very difficult because we are not given the context, but from what we are reading, okay, we can surmise that. Uh, there are some people who are living a particular lifestyle. Okay, so let's say the verse number, uh, the third group. Okay, the widow living in worldly pleasure. Now, do you think this person is a Christian or not? Is it possible for a Christian to live in worldly pleasure? And for a widow, what might lead to a widow living in sinful pleasure? Yes, let me give you an example. Um, when I was in uh, California, my a couple that I was very close to, the, the wife lost the brother who was around 67 years. But he wasn't a Christian. He and his wife were not Christians. But I met him because they invited me frequently for family gatherings. Uh, Thanksgiving, July 4th, and all of that. So I met him, very nice man, but he wasn't a Christian. And so I think a year after I moved there, he, the man died. And when Doreen, that's my friend, and the husband told me, he said, look, Bennett, the wife is just distraught. Because he said they did everything together. So when the man died out because of stroke, he had been drinking, so it, it took his toll on him, and he died just, I think when he was hospitalized, within a week, he was gone. And the wife was just distraught, because she was relatively young, and the man was everything to her, and she just took to drinking. And Doreen and uh, Pat said, look, we, we've invited them so many times to church, but they would never come. So what I'm saying is that sometimes, as a result of the grief, some people just let their lives just degenerate into something else. So it's possible that some of these widows were having a hard time, okay? But whatever the situation may be, it's possible that for a Christian to also fall in sin. So that is why the gospel needs to be constantly preached. Okay. Any comments, thoughts on that? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I just, I think that a widow and really any other single person would have an especial, special temptation, like a stronger temptation to be selfish. Yes. Because there wouldn't necessarily be the family that would be the sanctifying effect that they would have to be thinking about doing stuff for. Yeah. In some instances, I believe some of you who are in the medical field will attest to this. Some even begin to lose their faculties and they constantly need to be reminded about so many. And some, can, I tell you, some can really be nasty, even to those who are helping them. You see? So, um, such a person needs to be preached to, she needs the gospel, and she also 
And the church has no responsibility to take care of such an one. Paul mentions it there. She ought not to be supported. All right? Were they Christian or not? Were they Christian or not? We are saying that we are not too sure here, but we can surmise that once they are mentioned, possibly they are in the church. Remember, every church person, every person who comes to church is not necessarily a Christian. Yes. But at least when you show your fruits by your commitment and faithfulness and all of that, at least we can, to a large extent, say that a person is a Christian. Okay? But it's not everybody who walks into the church who is a Christian. In fact, uh, if you've been to our prayer meetings, we've been praying for people who are even frequent visitors. For frequent visitors, we pray that, you know, some way, somehow, they make that commitment. Okay? So sometimes... People come in, they are not really members, but they are regular <laughs> visitors, right? Until you, your name comes onto the church roll, because we'll look at another group, where it says those who have been enrolled. So it means if you are a member of a local church, you should be enrolled. We should have you on the register. And that goes out to all of us. In my previous church in Ghana, if you are not a church member, and you have a funeral, the, only, the church can only come in I mean, in grace. But when you are a member, the church is obligated to come in. All right? Okay. So, uh, look at the verse 7. As he's mentioning the groups, he pauses and then reminds Timothy to do what? Look at what he says in verse 7. What does he say? Command these things as well, so <laughs> they may be with you. So they may be without reverse. Look at the time you command. So Paul is serious. Command. You get it? All right. So uh, uh, verse 8, we need to take responsibility and we need to plan ahead all right, so that we can be in a position to provide. It's so sad when sometimes family members, you know, you see parents struggling and the children don't care. Have you observed that before? Yeah. Parents are struggling and the children don't care. Not even one. Sometimes. All right? So look at verse number nine. And now the fourth group. Which group is that? The fourth group. She's a member of the church. Yes. And younger. Yes. So here. Those who are enrolled, and who are those enrolled? Those who are 60 years and above, the widows. We are talking about the widows here. And uh, what it tells us is that even in the, in the first century, a kind of office had been provided to cater for such ones. And they must be faithful people. And then he says they should be a one-man woman. Okay? It should be a one just like we saw in the elders and the, uh, uh, the deacons, where it says a one-woman man, here it says it should be a one-man woman. So what does it tell you? What does it tell you? Concerning widows? She's a member of the church. She's it's, a Christian. She's yes, faithful. Yes. But it's possible that there's something there. 
Some widows are prone to. Are you getting it? Prone to mm -hmm. promiscuity. Yes. Yes. Who may have you know? And so the person who qualifies and should be a one man woman. Okay. Right. So we should create a system to take care of such people. They should be at least 60 years old. Okay. So the, we've seen those who are truly widows. Then we've seen those who have a family, children and grandchildren. If they have a family, the children and grandchildren should take care of them. Shouldn't be the church's responsibility. Then we have the widow who is living in worldly pleasure, self-indulgent, okay, wild lifestyle. She needs to be witnessed to. She needs to hear the gospel. She ought not to be supported. Then number four, we have those who are enrolled, those on the church's roster, who must be at least 60 years. Okay. We should create an office for to support such ones. All right. Now let's go to oh yes, ma'am. So what's the difference between the widow, the true widows, uh -huh. and then the widows that are enrolled? I suppose I suspect that they might there can be some overlap. Okay. Yes, I suspect that there will be some kind of overlap. Why was Paul so critical about the widow? Why was he? Yeah. Now usually, even now, okay, widows yeah, yeah, in in, our, in in most cultures, even in Africa, I'm sure you even your country, you know, women usually are the ones who don't work. And the man is supposed to be going back and forth, okay, working and taking care of the family. So when the man dies, everything comes to a standstill for a lot of women who may be working, but the money is not enough, or some may not even be working at all. So if you belong to a local church, it's the church's responsibility, and you are faithful, it's the responsibility of the church to take care of you. Okay, but if you have children who are working and capable of taking care of you, they should, all right. So now you see the problem. What problem? The problem is that that is why Paul was so critical. It was the culture. He's not. He's not critical. He's setting parameters. He's giving principles, okay, so that it will guide a young preacher. Okay. So there was a system in the church uh -huh. that the church took care of all the widows, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. So the problem was like, no, that's like a very big church. So make it easy for the church uh -huh. to operate uh -huh. faithfully. Uh -huh. That's why it was trying to break it down because the local church will understand uh -huh. that we should be under the church. Mm -hmm. And those who should not. Should not. Yes. So now you see the problem. What there problem? Issue, there was an issue in the church that, uh -huh. that remember this like bring all in all whatever age you are and as long as you are a widow or you are a widow. So you can be under the church program. Mm -hmm. So Paul was like no it should be that way. Mm -hmm. So that's why Paul was trying to break it down so that they can really understand what was going on in the church. Mm -hmm. Paul was trying to solve this problem mm -hmm. that local church. Mm -hmm. So now you see the background. This is using like the story now. Mm -hmm. Paul was trying to say it. So. Mm. You got it? Okay, good. Right. So, verse number 11. Uh, there's another category of women, of widows. Who are they? The, the younger. Widows. Now, what should the church do with the younger widows? Look at the verses there. 11 following. 
Should the church res take responsibility for them? No. What, what, has, what are the reasons Paul gives there? Because you're still going to have a drive to start a family. Yes. What I've seen. Yeah. From the, what is, I mean, how he describes them there, he says they have the potential to be idle, busybodies, gossips, and all of that. So what is he prescribing? Where possible, they should marry. They should remarry. If they lost their husbands, they should find somebody to marry. But the question is, you know, in most cultures, it is not women who marry men. It is men who go for these people, all right? So I ask you, what do we do with such women when the men are not coming forward? Emmanuel, today you are on fire. <laughs> oh, you, you, the subject is very interesting for you. <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So, let us see that way. No, I'm just I'm I think the, any yeah do you understand what he's saying? You missed that. Well, you just. <laughs> I think we are saying the same thing, okay? But I'm just trying to expound on what we've read here. That ideally, I mean, a woman cannot just get up and say, "I have to marry at all costs." You know, it is a man who comes for you, okay? So in, we can surmise that you know, in a local church, okay, the young men, for instance, if we are single, should also be on the lookout for such women, if you know. All right, so that, that kind of, you know, you look for a wife amongst the congregation, something like that. So he says that such women, okay, should try and then marry to avoid being all over the place. You know, you are idle, you know, instead of taking care of a family and children and cooking and things like that, you know, which will take your time, you shouldn't be going into homes and being a busybody. In fact, it's not the, the, the only place, but... Uh, that kind of attitude is, is, is. Yeah. yes sir I have a question regarding verse 14 okay yes yes now I, I think about if she married and didn't bear children there'd be no one to take care of her at age 60 yeah but she no longer qualifies if I'm hearing you right to be a one man woman two men <laughs> I disagree. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't talk about you. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Yeah. One or two men at a time, just a blanket, one man, woman, blanket, one woman. Man. You see, um, once, and, and we can put uh, criterion on there that, well, she didn't get divorced, she died. Yeah. That's extra words, too. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm trying to understand. Mm -hmm. These are general principles, principles and yeah. an ideal. Yeah. And so Paul is, 
instructing Timothy as he's a pastor. These are the general principles. Mm -hmm. And each situation, you have to look at and take other biblical mm -hmm. principles, which mm -hmm. other biblical principles mm -hmm. are that, a, like Elizabeth Elliot was married three times, mm -hmm. her first two husbands mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and that was, there, yeah, that's not her fault. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. You, mm -hmm. you know, so you have to take other biblical principles. This is just like, okay, here's yeah. the situation. You don't want someone who's been divorced or with all these different mm -hmm. guys, and mm -hmm. she's been true to her husband mm -hmm. at the time. I think mm -hmm. that she thinks mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. He can't address every possible situation for mm -hmm. everyone. So these are ideals. Mm -hmm. So when you have this situation, generally do this. Mm -hmm. If there's information to add, okay, you take other principles and, and, yeah. and you know put it in there and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. yeah. I think this usage here, just like in the the person whom you're married to, mm -hmm. uh, to say that it implies divorce is to read into the passage. Yeah. Paul talks about divorce and remarriage in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. These are letters that are later in Paul's ministry. If he was referring to divorce, mm -hmm. why would he not mention that here yeah. in talking about the qualifications? Yeah. So I think it's not really referring to what has happened in anyone's past, but mm -hmm. what's happening currently. Yeah. You know, just like when you talk about the qualification of elders, mm -hmm. you know, if you talk about if we say that Paul is referring to divorce there, which is a fat fact, why when you talk about not being addicted to much wine, then we have to imply there that a person who is an alcoholic in the past would not be able to be qualified mm -hmm. So I don't think that Paul is really referring to a past action or past behavior. He's talking about the present reality of how a person should be themselves. Yeah. And so when he uses this as he does in relation to elders, he's talking about total devotion. How is this person conducting themselves in their relationship or in their current situation? Are they totally devoted? Um, so I think that's more, I think, a better interpretation of that. Yeah. In fact, I think, uh, like Kevin, what Kevin is saying, you remember when we spoke about the qualifications of elders and uh, uh, deacons, we Paul didn't mention a single person. And we know from history, even Timothy, we are not told, was really married. Okay, even Paul himself. Once uh, uh, C.H. Spurgeon became a preacher, just a young man, until he married in latter years. So we are looking at the general principles. Sometimes I understand that it's just unfortunate that some women, for some reason, they lose their husband, one, lose number two, and then, you know, yes, it happens. If there are so many examples. It's so unfortunate, you see. We even have, we are talking about people who are at least 60 years. We have widows who are in their 30s, in their 40s. Okay, doesn't mean they don't, you know, yes. So these are general principles, but I'm... Oh, no, no. You know. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, maybe okay. It didn't come out well. All right, right. So, uh, we've seen these five groups, and I want us to spend the last bit just looking at uh, look at the behind look behind your paper. Okay, let's quickly go through the questions there, based on what we've discussed. Look at uh, the research and discussion. Uh, one. Should a church be supporting younger widows with no family who desire to marry, but there's no one asking them? I think we've answered that already, right? Okay, let's go to number two. Do you agree or disagree? 
The many convalescent homes in America reflect our lack of concern for the agent. Do you agree or agree, disagree? Yes. Number two. This is, these are government institutions, right? And yeah, some are private. Okay. Do you agree that many convalescent homes in America reflect our lack of concern for the agent? Generally speaking, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I worked in a nursing home for three and a half years, mm -hmm. and we had people that the family brought them, mm -hmm. and they never came back. They never set foot there. They never, I never, we had one lady, we never, a hat showed up once, but we didn't see anyone walk in, <laughs> but, but that, that was it. Yeah. And, and then you had the others that this is a way to take care of their parents, and they're there every day, yeah. and they're they're looking over their care, they're finding out about their their meal plans, and you know the whole thing. So it can be used a proper way, mm -hmm. but then it's it's abused, and it does reflect how we look at it. Yeah. Right. So we should do better. If you have a, a relative, you have you need to make sure that you are, you know, frequenting the place as much as you can, you know, making sure that you care. You see, who knows? Someday what you do to your parents, your children will do to you. It might even be worse. <laughs> All right? That's how life is. All right. Number three, it's a living arrangement for aged parents. Always in the best interest of all parties concerned. Why or why not? Whenever you have always in the question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to say something earlier yeah. about this, but I think this would be a good time. I think even unbelievers see this, this principle in effect that you're to care for your parents. You know, my sister and brother aren't believers. But when when my dad died, my sister said, we can bring my mom in, and so mom's living with them. And they're, they're, they, don't, they don't know First Timothy. They don't know this biblical principle, but it's still there that they should take care of their parents. And it goes all the way back to Exodus 20. It's honoring your parents if you can do that. I agree. Always there's times there's logistics that don't work out. You know, you may live 200 miles from from your parents and it's hard to you know move them and and all that but yeah i think when you can yeah i remember one one case where and the, the the mom who was i think she was like 86 or something like that she was just adamant she didn't want to live with anybody <laughs> but she was falling periodically and the daughter was concerned. So eventually, uh, my friends, uh, Doreen and the husband, they made arrangements for their younger brother to go and live with the mom. I think when I moved here, she passed a year or two later. You know, So there are some elderly people who are very stubborn. You know, they want to live by themselves. But you who are concerned, you still have to make the effort to. You know. Some try to bring them closer. Uh, so that they can always, right? So these are things. Some I'm sure some of you are thinking, "Oh, this is far-reaching," but you never know. You never know. See, so you should be considering these things as you, you know, discuss them. All right, number four. 
Why do you think more elderly people are not involved in actively ministering in the local church? This question comes from the verse which says that the widows, some were hospitable, serving here, serving there, serving in the church. So why is it? Why do you think that a lot of elderly people are not actively ministering in the local church? Yes, ma'am. I think two reasons. Sometimes it's it is hard, and and they just don't have the energy. But I think sometimes too, I think of my sister-in-law who has four teenage daughters, and she kept trying to be involved in mentoring these girls and discipling them. And the the youth pastor, the young guy, wanted someone hip and young. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. kept pushing her away, kept yeah. pushing her away. Like she wanted to go to counselor. You can't. I mean, camp counselor for the. You know, she wanted to invite girls to just mentor them, and it was. Again, the, the pastor and stuff that kind of kept her out because she wasn't, I guess, hip enough. They wanted someone in their 20s yeah. to really reach the youth as opposed to wisdom, which yeah. reminds me of Rehoboam in scripture. It's yeah. like, hold on a minute. You know, <laughs> like, you know, well, you're not really, you know, thinking like someone who's older and wiser would do a better job, but mm -hmm. she was kept out. So I think it's both sides. Yeah. Right. We need, we, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ, everybody has a role to play. It doesn't matter your age. You have a, Sometimes it's just a matter of... I, years ago, I mean, in Awana, there was a 90-year-old woman who volunteered to play the organ for the children. Every week. If you know Awana, Awana is very, very... It's, re, it's like a regime. Oh, yes. It's like a regime. So for this 90-year-old woman to volunteer to play the organ for the kids every week, Amazing, 90 year old woman. That takes a lot of, you know. There's something about that wisdom, too. As a kid, I remember in the youth, Mary Bell Smith. Now, I pictured her around 250 years old because I was about this, this tall. But I remember, here I am, 54 years later, she'd been gone probably nearly 40 yeah, years. Yeah. But I still remember yeah. Mary Bell Smith. Yeah. And, and what what a, a pillar that she that she is in my life. Just, yeah. you know, she didn't teach theology or anything like that, but there was that example. And so sometimes, yeah, I don't think that that they are involved because of their their health situation or, or their availability. But should they, yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I think kind of piggybacking off of what Carol said, I think we as younger women mm. have responsibility as well mm. because I think when older women are not sought out, mm. they maybe don't know how much they have to offer. Mm. But I know that I've personally benefited a mm. lot from seeking out the wisdom and counsel mm. of older mm -hmm. women in the church. So I think that younger women in the church have a responsibility mm. to reach out and form these relationships yeah. as well. Yeah. And give them give the older women that opportunity yeah and what she, uh, she said brings to mind the fact that you know you need to be faithful you need to be available you need to be teachable these three words fact these are the people god uses faithful available teachable and if you have these qualities you can be of service in the church of Jesus Christ. Faithful, available, teachable. It doesn't matter your age. All right? Let me just end by just 
My father was, all my siblings are saved. My mother was saved. In fact, when I started attending Sunday school, a friend invited me. I brought my two sisters along. We became saved. Then we started attending. Then my mom, who is Catholic, saw that we were committed to the Baptist church. And then she came along. So the elders started coming to our church to spend time with us, you know, counsel us and all of that. But my father never, he came to church a couple of times, but he never settled. So when he passed, pastor said, Bennett, you know the rules? We cannot bring your father to the church and lay him in state because he's not a member of the church. But because of you, you and your sisters and your mother would come to your house, do the funeral to give us an opportunity to preach to the audience and we'll take care of some things, you know. But I learned through that experience. You know, sometimes people don't care about the church. But I tell you, in those difficult moments, you will need a church. You will need the church. And so all of us have a responsibility to make sure that our local church is thriving. I don't think an announcement should come that we need volunteers. No. We have to step up. Step up. If you can't teach, you can just encourage somebody. Just take the children, you know, sit by a young person, mentor the person, encourage. Just greeting people. I told you when Ray passed, I was so sad because Ray would always be at the door. You know, when Bennett, how is this? How is that? You know, I'm smiling. Time is gone. We'll continue, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to fellowship around your holy word. Lord, continue to give, give us grace. Help us, oh God, even to continue to serve you acceptably and reverently in this present age. Lord, help us to be a blessing even to our fellow Christians. We pray for all of this in Jesus' name.